Hey, this is Kieran, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Molly Grisham. Molly, where are you at and what are you up to? I am currently in St. Louis, Missouri, which is where I live, and I am kind of vacillating between vacations and launching new projects. And it's an interesting space to be in, but I'm excited to just have a great conversation with you today about some of the stuff I've been working on. You just mentioned new projects, so we're going to talk specifically about one, and it's called Coach Ready. Yeah. Where did this come about? Why Coach Ready, and what are you hoping to, the impact is going to be from this experience for the coaches? Absolutely. Yeah, so I spent uh, a lot of my career in college athletics, and about six years ago, walked away from that and started my own business. I had a pretty strong sense um, that in many ways, athletics was a broken system. And sometimes you have to leave a system and kind of come in in a different role to be able to help that system. And I also knew how badly coaches needed an advocate, needed an ally, needed somebody that kind of walk with them on that journey. And I felt like maybe I could be that person. And so over the last six years of working with coaches in all different sports at all different levels, I really noticed some trends and some patterns and some struggles that every team at every division in every sport was wrestling with. And I thought, could I put some content together that would help everyone, uh, regardless of where they were at in their coaching journey? Can I kind of capture these, these golden nuggets, these pieces of wisdom that I often share with my private clients? And can I kind of put that out into the world? And so Coach Ready is a, a collection uh, of videos where I'm just saying, let me take everything in my brain and share that with you just to prop coaches up, to fill their cup, to give them some frameworks and some processes that they can share with their staff and share with their players and hopefully have a little bit better coaching experience. You talk about leadership and I know just from, I got an opportunity to get a sneak peek at some of the stuff and I, it's awesome. Um, and you talk about leadership as influence. Mm. How important is the idea of leadership? I think we use a lot of buzzwords, yeah. but we don't understand what it means. So what is leadership? And, and your key was leadership is influence. What mm -hmm. does that even mean in a coaching sense? Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. When I first started this journey, I... Uh, I'm a I'm addicted to reading. And so in my house, I have just massive bookshelves covered with books. And I thought, well, I, I need to have a really concise definition of leadership. Surely one of these authors has a very clear definition. And I just pulled all my leadership books off the shelf. And I thought, man, this is so abstract. Everybody's got a different definition and a different take. And so that makes it really hard for us. How do we teach something when there's not a consistent definition of what something is? And so I just started kind of putting post-it notes up of what do I believe about leadership and what do I see with teams and what do I see with coaches? And it really came down to me that leadership is influence. And there, for me, is a big difference between what I would call positional power and relational influence. And, and those differences for me are this, positional power is something that has to be given to you. Someone has to say to you, yes, you have this title or this rank or this authority, we're gonna give this to you. And that can feel great when someone says, yes, you have the power. But the downside to that is it can also be taken away from us. Unlike relational influence, it's something that we all already have. We, we don't have, that doesn't have to be given to us and it can't be taken away from us. And so I really want to encourage 
student athletes of all ages to pursue leadership as influence instead of pursuing the power. Because we have to realize the power comes and goes, but the influence does not come and go. In, in fact, I'll share this brief story with you. When I was still a college coach, I had four seniors and it was the dream senior class. Just, they checked every box, just delightful human beings. Um, if they could have stayed for a fifth or sixth or seventh year, I would have said yes to all of them. They were just great people and great leaders on our team. And so when they graduated um, in the spring, but left our team after the end of the fall season, I thought I've got to be really intentional about how we're going to develop our next group of leaders because the, this is big shoes to fill. And so I was meeting with two of our future emerging leaders on a very regular basis. And I realized they were crushing it. Like they were taking care of stuff behind the scenes that I didn't even know was going on. They were doing all the right things. And I thought, wow, these two are way ahead of where I thought they were going to be in their leadership development. Well, come to find out these four who had already turned in their jerseys, they no longer had the locker room code, they weren't a part of our team meetings, we're, we're meeting with these two young people and helping to mentor and develop them. And I didn't know that was happening. So those four seniors no longer had power on our team. They didn't have a captain's armband. They didn't have the locker room code. They didn't even have their, their uniform anymore, but they leveraged the influence that they have on our team. And to take those two young leaders under their wing, um, that influence never left. That influence never left them and they continued to leverage that. Unlike power, which says, you're not a part of this team anymore, goodbye, <laughs> your power is gone they were able to stay rooted in that influence. And, and that just is a game changer on any team when you've got leaders that are rooted in relational influence rather than in positional power. One of the things I love about that is the relationship side of things, but also you recognize that that new crop of leaders was already already along the developmental yeah. path. That's a process. Mm -hmm. And coaches, I think, sometimes think by just giving an armband, that becomes their leader. Is there something that is kind of like maybe almost a framework type thing yeah. where kids can you can help develop leaders? Because it's even as coaches, it's a process for us as well. Yeah, we talk about this in Coach Ready because I think one of the challenges that that so many young people face is this desire to lead, um, but to them it feels like I'm either a leader or I'm not a leader. There doesn't feel like there's middle ground to them. And I often tell young people and in, in, in the teams that I work with, leadership is not an on off switch. We don't just wake up our senior year and flip the switch. Um, and I should pause and say this. I don't believe that leaders and captains are necessarily the same thing. It would be great if they were, but we don't always get that right. And, and so I think there's lots of space for lots of leaders on teams I also don't think um, you have to be a senior or a starter or the best player to be a leader. So let, let me let me say that on the front end. Um, so this idea that it's it's not an on off switch. We don't just turn a certain age or get to a certain year and we just flip that switch on. To me, it is much more like a dimmer switch. It's something we're invested in every single day. We're turning up that dial. And that to me is why you might have a young player on your team who's a great leader because they've been turning up that dimmer switch for years. 
And you may have an upperclassman who's who never knew the dimmer switch was there. <laughs> they have not turned it up at all. And they're not going to be an effective leader for you. And so we've got to think of it like a dimmer switch and less like an on-off switch. And to me, there is a very clear progression. In fact, I've got lots of different frameworks that I use with teams. But one of them is, again, we unpack this in, in Coach Ready, this progression that needs to happen, how we move from leading yourself to leading the team. There has to be a progression because if you give that to your players, if you say, do this and then do this, and they're going to do it. They're, they're going to be all in on it. It's no different than teaching a skill in our sport. Uh, we're not going to teach you to bicycle kick from I can't to I can. We're, we're going to walk you through. We're going to have you do all these little steps, all these little stages. And when you can do that well, we'll give you the next one. When you can do that well, we'll give you the next one. And so I think having those frameworks to walk your leaders through is so, so critical. Because again, if we're just expecting them to flip that switch, it's not going to happen. One of the things that I love is that the coach ready is for coaches and leaders at all levels um, in terms of age to experience. When it comes to players, you talked about not just saying that it's seniors or it's my captains or leaders. Is this one of those that you pour into every every player? Is everyone involved, even like the parents, your staff? Is everyone someone you can continue to help develop as a leader? Yeah, it. it I've never had a coach call me and say, Molly, we need your help. Our problem is we have too many leaders. <laughs> it's never happened. It's never happened. The opposite has absolutely happened. Uh, we don't have leaders or stuck, but I've never had a coach say we have too many leaders. And the truth is, if even if someone says, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not really a leader. I, I'm not going to be up front. I'm not going to be in the spotlight. I, I don't like using my voice. The reality is at a base level, you have to be able to lead your own life. No one can do that for you. You have to be able to lead your own life. And so a lot of times when I work with coaches and they're frustrated, it's because that player cannot even lead their own life. They can't get themselves to class. They can't get to training on time. They can't get to the bus on time. They're not leading their own life. And so when we think about developing leaders at a base level, imagine having a team full of people who could at a minimum lead themselves. That is a that is a great place to be. And so, yes, we need our athletic trainer to be able to lead their own life. We need our assistant coaches to lead their own life. We need our players to lead their own life. And, and I think we have to shift from this idea that leadership is something outside of us and it's designated for only elite uh, individuals. There are certainly people who are natural leaders and like that was their thing in life to lead this company or to lead this movement or lead this organization. But the rest of us still have to be able to lead our own lives. And so if we can help people shift their thinking from leadership is just for the elite few to, hey, we all have to lead our own lives. We at a base level, we've got to be able to do this you will see exponential growth on your team being able to move forward faster and farther when you've got a roster full of people who can lead themselves. You talked about relationships earlier, and now I have the, in my head, I keep thinking relationships equals communication. Mm -hmm. How important is meeting those players at the spot that they're at? And then you talked about having a framework, but also what is my, what's the expectations of me if I'm already a pretty strong leader, like when you had those two come in from that were groomed by the older players, that's a different 
dynamic as to what role and responsibilities they might have versus your incoming freshmen who are just trying to find their feet. And like you said, I'm just trying to figure out myself, lead myself. Right. Yeah. The relationship piece is critical. And, And one of the things that we talk about in Coach Ready is when we're developing leaders, we often talk about what's your role as a leader. And to me, what your role really means is how do I want you to be in relationship with others? So do I want you to be in relationship with your teammates as a drill sergeant? Do I want you yelling at them in practice? Do I want you being that really hard individual that says, no, we're not going to do that? Because some coaches want that from their leaders. That's how they want you to be in relationship. Others would say, no, I want you to be in relationship with your teammates more as a mentor, more as a guide. Walk with your teammates. Um, Do we want them to be in relationship in a way that says you need to be that visionary, that person who's never done this thing before? You have to be the best of the best. That's how you're going to be in relationship with your teammates. So there's lots of different roles But I think what we have to define is when you're in that role, what does your relationship look like with your teammates? And that's really been a game changer for me as I have conversations with student athletes. They say like, I I thought I was supposed to be the firefighter. I thought I was supposed to put out every fire on this team. That was my role as a leader. Well, that's a different kind of relationship with your teammates than someone who sees leadership as being a mentor. Um, So we've got to give some clarity around the role. And to me, the way we talk about that is what does your relationship need to look like with your teammates? And that's going to be different on every team. Every coaching staff is going to have a different expectation from their leaders, but we've got to give some clarity to that for sure. Otherwise they end up doing some damage that they didn't mean to do. They thought they were doing the right thing. They thought, I thought you wanted me to be a firefighter and just take care of everything. And I, I didn't realize you wanted me to be a mentor and walk with them on this journey. You talk about maybe misunderstanding the expectations that can lead to kind of issues within teams. And that's one of the things I love about the coach ready um, curriculum and setup that you have is you look at some of the things like everyone loves to focus on when the times are good and we're building kids up and they're becoming leaders. But you just talked about maybe some banging of heads. How do you, you talk about in coach ready conflict is it good for teams? We, I know as a coach myself and as a parent, I'm always trying to keep conflict away, but can conflict be good in the way that we deal with it? Can it actually help our team and leadership grow and blossom? Absolutely. Um, the reality is we're human beings, so there's going to be conflict. It's just, it's just part of being human. There's going to be conflicts. And so what I often tell groups when I'm doing conflict resolution work with them is friction creates traction. So if you think about driving your car. Um, Maybe the last time you got your oil changed, they said to you, you should probably get your tires changed too. And you're like, nah, let's, let's wait till the next oil change. And you're driving and it's late at night and it starts raining and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm kind of swerving back and forth. I don't have traction because there's no friction. It's a, it's a smooth tire on the road. I can't create any friction to allow me to move forward. So of course, you're now moving side to side, trying to stay on the road. That same concept applies with teams um, or, or any group, any organization. Sometimes we need some friction to help us get traction, which helps us move forward. Now, this does not mean 
that we need to manufacture fake conflict. It doesn't mean that we need to walk into the locker room and think, ah, things are too good right now. Let me just start turning over tables and let me create some conflict. I do not advocate for that at all. But when conflict shows up, can we look at it instead of, I got to avoid this at all costs. I got to keep this out of my team. I got to protect my team from this. We, conflict is bad. Can we say, huh, there might be something in here that if we dig into it will actually help us move forward. This friction, this tension that we're feeling, if we lean into it, if we unpack it, could it help us move forward? And it's really fun to see a team kind of relax and say, oh, if conflict isn't bad, maybe we, maybe we can have this conversation. <laughs> we don't need to avoid it because it's not a bad thing. We're going to work through it. It's an opportunity for us to be better and an opportunity for us to move forward. One of the things that popped in my head is I know from my experience that I've come and had activities and we've done some things and there's some kids that will buy in. And they're like, yeah, I love this. Let's do it. And then there's others that don't. And then I found even just you're working with younger kids, they get focused sometimes on the results and like, mm -hmm. I can't do it. How do you deal with one? You're trying to develop leaders, but maybe someone's not bought in. And then maybe the expectation of maybe I've set the bar too high for mm -hmm. a, a person. They're not ready to make that next step in their process and development. Yeah, I, I think having clarity around why are we doing this is really important for young people, that it is not about the outcome. It's not about getting it right. It's about developing a skill for you. And in the same way, in every sport, when we're trying to develop a skill, we're going to get repetitions and we're going to fail a lot on those repetitions. But the only way we get better is to continue those reps. And so when we're talking about leadership development and team building and conflict resolution, that's all skill development for any team. And so if we only worked on our sports skills once, we know how good we would be at it. <laughs> Not very good. If we only work at our leadership skills once and we say, well, that was hard and that didn't feel good and that was outside of my comfort zone. I didn't do that very well. We will never get good at it. And so being upfront with young people about this is skill development. You're learning how to talk to your teammates. You're learning about empathy. You're learning about speaking up. You're learning about setting boundaries. And that takes practice, just like anything in your sport took practice. And you're not going to get it right the first time. Um, I think as I look back on my coaching career, one of the things I probably got right in leadership development was very much publicly supporting my leaders and behind closed doors, that's where we did some evaluation. Okay. I know in that moment, you really wanted to light a fire under your teammate. Let's talk about it. What did you do? What was your thought process? What was their response? Did it work? <laughs> what would you do differently next time? How can I better support you? Like really doing that kind of assessment and evaluation behind closed doors. Because if I did that publicly with a leader in front of my team, if I humiliated them, if I criticized their leadership ability in front of the team, that door has just closed for leadership development for anyone in the future. Who, who wants to get criticized for their leadership skills in front of the team? So really supporting them, really having their back publicly. And then behind closed doors, that's where we can do an assessment and unpack, which, what can we do differently to get the outcome that you wanted as a leader? That's one of the things that I think we miss as coaches and leaders is we spend so much time in the playing setting 
and we don't do enough behind the scenes type of thing. How important is taking time? Like X's and O's are great, but like you said, as a coach and teaching and leadership, it's all about influence. Yeah. So how important is actually taking a like definitive amount of time and saying, Hey, we're going to work together and talk through things. I, I think it is the game changer. Um, the reality is as coaches, we are educators and there's a bigger picture that we have to educate our players on. It isn't just the X's and O's of our sport. And I think the challenge that we face is so many sports, at least in the, the club market are so driven on wins. That's just, we don't really care if you understand the game. We just want your team to win and so we skip so much of that development as a human. And, and that falls on the rest of us that can say, whoa, 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 I don't want to be a part of that system. I want to do things differently. I want to invest in their development. But, but I've been really fortunate to work with teams that have won national championships, and they do this stuff on a regular basis. Those are the teams that are saying, yep, we want to see you again next month and next month and next month. We have to do this on a regular basis uh, because we have to develop the whole person. We, we need the whole person to win games. And so we've got to be intentional about developing them. And, and for the coaches who say right now, like, oh, gosh, but I only get an hour and a half with them twice a week. Am I just supposed to not practice? No. Look for ways to build those moments into your training. And so maybe you say to a young leader, hey, I'm going to have you lead the warm up uh, next Tuesday. And, and let's have a conversation about what that's going to look like and how you need to talk to your teammates and how you can practice your leadership skills by leading the warm up. Maybe you have a player that's going to set up a drill. Like you can you can build these leadership opportunities into your training sessions. There's no question about that. But there is incredible value in getting a team behind closed doors for an hour and a half or 2 hours and just doing a deep dive on this stuff. And I really have such favorable responses from teams. I think they find it like a breath of fresh air. Finally. In, in fact, I'll tell you this. I was working with a power five women's basketball team and we had um, a couple of young players that we knew this was the future of this team. And the coaching staff had said to me, just go all in on those freshmen because we know, we know what they could do moving forward. And we had a player on that in that, that freshman group who was, very talented, <laughs> just very, very talented, um, had always been the best player on every team she's ever been at. And it was probably her junior year. She pulled me aside and she said, I have been the captain on every team I have ever been on. And she said, this is the first time anyone's ever taught me about leadership. I mean, just incredibly talented. And everyone just said, she's talented. She can be the leader. And after two or three years of just regularly meeting with her and just watching the gears in her mind turn, she said, why didn't anybody tell me this? Like, I, I could have been so much better my sophomore year of high school or my junior year on that club team. But no one, no one had ever taken the time to teach her those things. How important is patience as a coach when it comes to that leader? You talk about her as a freshman, but it the but light bulb didn't go off until she was a junior to recognize like, oh my gosh, all this time that Molly and my coaches have been pouring into me and the activities that we're doing. And the other thing that I was thinking of as a coach, how important is it for you to share with your players and, and people you're working with that, hey, I'm working on becoming a better leader myself. Mm -hmm. And you talk about repetitions, like I'm going to fail 
How big is it for them to share that as well? Yeah, so I just I made two notes because I, I want to share two thoughts with you. So there is an image <clears throat> and a story that I often share with teams when we talk about leadership and kind of the patience that it requires. There is a particular strain of bamboo that when you plant it, it doesn't break the surface for five years. Okay, so imagine I am a, a bamboo farmer and I go out and I, I clear the soil and I pull all the rocks out and I pull the weeds out and I plant my bamboo and I go out and I water it every day for a year and nothing grows. People are probably like, she's lost her mind. Like, what is she doing? And then year two, three, four, and five, nothing has broken the surface. But in year five, in six weeks, it can grow up to 80 feet tall. Of course, if you're going to grow 80 feet tall, you have to have a strong root system. So what is happening over those five years is that bamboo is developing its root system. And that for me is a great mental picture of leadership. We are investing in our leaders and we may see nothing for years, but they're developing their root system. They're developing those skills that are going to hold them up and sustain them and help them and lead them and guide them during the difficult times. And that is why we often say, whoa, her leadership came out of nowhere. It, it never comes out of nowhere. There was always the behind the scenes work, the investment in that young person that's happening. And then year five, <laughs> in six weeks, it grows 80 feet tall. They emerge as a leader, but they had to have that strong root system. And so to me, when we talk about patience and developing leaders, that's what we're doing. We're helping them identify what are your values? What are the things you stand for? What are the skills you need that are going to sustain you during really difficult times? Because if I just throw you out there to lead and it's a bad experience, you're never going to do it again. You're going to say, I, I don't want to be a part of that. Just let me go score goals. I don't want to do that. And so we've got to set them up for success. So when we talk about patience, that's an image I love to use with coaches and, and educators and just anyone who's developing humans is, yeah, a lot is happening internally. A lot's happening below the surface. A lot is happening that we can't see, and it will emerge when it's ready. In terms of coaches being honest, oh my gosh, yes, 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 yes. There's nothing more powerful than when a coach can say, I don't think I handled that very well. I'd, I'd kind of like to unpack it with you guys. Here was my thought process and here's why I did what I did. And here, as I self-reflect, is what I've learned about that situation. And, and leadership is a lifelong process. And I don't think I handled that as an A+. I want you to know I'm going to do it differently moving forward. Most teams say like, gosh, if, I, if my coach can give themselves permission to not be perfect, maybe I can try to lead and not be perfect in this process as well. So I think... I think coaches owning that is really, really important because it sets the precedence and gives permission to everyone else on the team to own those moments as well. The other thing that I loved about the story about the young lady that was a freshman, super talented, and then it was her junior year when she kind of realized how important is it for us as coaches to start maybe d delving into those conversations earlier so we would have known that, hey, I've always been captain, but I didn't really do any. I don't know what I was supposed to be a captain because they all bring things. I know yeah. there's different cultural backgrounds, religious experience. You know, I played club. Or I only played rec or I just started. I decided I want to play in high school. How how does a, how does knowing what players are bringing? Yeah. How does that, in, you know, impact and kind of get incorporated into the whole leadership development idea? 
Yeah. A lot of times coaches will say to me, okay, so we're working on our, our leaders for next year. Um, can you meet with our seniors? And I will say, is this the first leadership development you've done with them? Yes. They're seniors. Now we're ready to get started. And so that's when I have to say, okay, we have to assume their dimmer switch was off when they arrived on campus. And we missed three years of turning that dimmer switch up. So their dimmer switch is still off. They're seniors, but it's still on zero. So investing in those players early and often, you will have zero regrets. You will have zero regrets about that process. And to your point, we don't know. In fact, we talk about in Coach Ready um, some of the trauma that our players can have that we're unaware of. We don't want to put ourselves in a position where we didn't know our players well enough. We then, as upperclassmen, put them in the leadership spotlight and didn't know this was some of the stuff they were struggling with. And now it's infecting our team. So if we're meeting with our freshmen and then as sophomores and then as juniors, we put ourselves in a position to have really healthy people be leaders moving forward on our team. So I am, I am with you early and often is the way to go in leadership development. One of the things that I get a lot um, on here is coaches that are transitioning to a different program, um, mm -hmm. especially at the college level. I know at high school, like I just had a large senior class that left. So now I've got a new group coming in. So that means there's a change in the whole vibe within it. And not everyone handles change well. What are some yeah. things leadership-wise that we can do to help, you know, transition there? Even at the youth game, you're constantly having kids change clubs or maybe it's a different coach. What can we do to maybe better support everyone to that transition? Gosh, lead, I mean, leading change, it's hard. It's a, it's a skill that we have to learn as coaches. And so in Coach Ready, I share six different behaviors that I often notice when we're trying to lead change. And it has been really fun for me to share those behaviors with a team and allow players to identify, yep, that's me. <laughs> that's who I become when coaches saying we need to do something differently. Or when I don't like what's happening, I become that person. And allowing them to self-identify, it, it allows them to, um, to kind of laugh at themselves. Like if I say, you know what? Coach, every time we talk about change, you're what I would call the sidewalk sitter. You're the person who won't get, get in the car. You won't join us on this journey. You're probably going to be really defensive. But if I give you the option to identify and you say, yeah, I was the sidewalk sitter. <laughs> I was refusing to get in the car and go on the journey with that team. Then the door has been opened for us to have a conversation about that. And so I I think one of the challenges around leading change is, especially when they get to high school, but for sure when they get to college, a lot of them have never really been a part of a change process. And what I mean by that is they have chosen to go to different teams, but they've never had to like stay on a team and work through the change. And we're certainly seeing that at the college level with the ability to transfer on a regular basis but helping them understand there are different behaviors that show up when we're leading change. And here's how your behaviors impact the rest of the team. And here are some choices that you can make. Um, it can be really, really powerful when we allow them to self-identify, this is my default behavior in change. And I don't like that about myself. I, I actually, now that I know that, I want to do some things differently. But I think particularly at the college level, we have to be aware, most of them just played for a team for one season. 
They won a lot of games. They weren't asked to do anything differently. And then they bounced to another team and they won a lot of games <laughs> and they weren't asked to do anything differently. And then they bounced to another team. And so getting to either a really good high school team, a really good club team or, or a college team where they're being asked to do things differently, that's new for so many athletes. And if we can give them some clarity around this is this is some behaviors that show up. How do you describe yourself in change? You mentioned how the the youth game is so focused on results, winning, mm-hmm. winning, winning. How does one kind of evaluate whether I am, you talk about we're influenced, leadership is influenced. How does one evaluate whether or not my influence has actually been successful? I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense, but how does one even know, like I'm trying these new things. Molly has been pouring into me. I've been watching the videos. I've been working through some of the units. I've been taking the tidbits. I've been pouring into the kids. At what point do I go, okay, yes, it is working. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind for me is this idea that, that healthier humans are happier people and happier people create better teams. And so if you're willing to, to pause and self-reflect and pour into your people and work with consultants and you feel like, I just feel healthier. I've got more knowledge. I've got a support system. I've got a community. I feel balanced. My stress level is down a little bit. I, I think I can do this. You're going to be happier as an individual. And happier people are what create high performing teams. Again, I've worked with some of those teams that just win at the highest level. They're having fun. They really are having fun, not because they're winning. They're winning because they're having fun and they're able to have fun because they're healthy people. And so to me, part of that assessment is pausing to say like, how's my health as a person? If I, no different than if, let's say I went to a new doctor oh yeah, those supplements are making a difference or that physical therapy. I feel healthier. We can, we can self-evaluate what our health feels like. And so to me, it would come down to, do you feel healthier? Okay. Is that showing up in your happiness? Okay. That's probably going to lead to high performance on your team. The happiness idea starts, makes me think like culture building, Mm -hmm. team building and those types of things. And that's another buzzword almost every coach I talk to is like, yeah, we focus on culture. And then I'm like, what is that exactly? And it's gotta be more than a poster on the wall. It's gotta be more than like, we say this little thing at the end where all our hands are in and we all say the same chant. What is culture? And what I love about coach ready and what you did is you took the time to actually delve into what does high performing culture look like? What's it take to kind of build it? Um, kind of almost like what you talked about earlier about responsibilities and roles for leaders. We've got to be more clear about what exactly when we say we're building culture, we've got to actually be doing it. Right. Yeah. You are a hundred percent correct. It is not the slogan on your wall. It is not the one word on your practice shirt. It's not the, the hashtag. Those are all reflections of your culture, but that is not your culture. So two things come to mind to me right away when I think about high-performing teams and building culture. Um, One is this idea that love changes people and people change the culture. And so when you come into a a team and you think, oh, this culture isn't very good, I got to change the culture and I got to print a new handbook and I got to have new slogans and let's paint something else on the wall, that nothing changed, nothing changed. You change the culture by changing your people. 
and, and, and it pouring into them and loving your people and being in relationship with them and they will own the culture and they will change the culture. And so when someone says to me, how do I change the culture? Go love your people. I don't care what business you're in. When people show up to work every day and they feel like my leader loves me, I'm going to do anything for them. I'm going to get this culture on track and create a healthy environment. So love changes people, people change the culture. Second thought right away that I have in terms of high-performing culture is this idea that transformation is on the other side of truth. Transformation is on the other side of truth. If we want to have a high-performing culture and we want to have great relationships with each other, we have to be able to tell the truth. We have to be able to say, you know what? You didn't carry your weight in practice yesterday and you came in with a bad attitude and you didn't get enough sleep last night and here's how it affected the team. We have to be able to tell each other the truth. And the high-performing teams that I do work with do that very well. They have those honest conversations. They owe it to each other. They know that if we want to transform, if we want to be different, the only path to get there is the truth. And what's really hard about that is we are, we are at a time in our just collective athletic history where we have stopped telling the truth because we are so fearful of repercussions. And the only way forward is to tell the truth. It's the only way. And so we have things like anonymous student athlete surveys where we're told as college coaches, at least, uh, you need to make sure your student athletes are happy. I don't want to hear anything negative. Well, if I tell you the truth, some negative stuff might show up. But the only way we get to transformation, the only path there is to tell the truth. And yet we're in a system right now that's saying, don't tell the truth. There's so much fear around that. And of course, when I say telling the truth, we're doing it in a compassionate way and, a, and in a way that builds our relationships. But when I think about the people I value the most in my life, it's the people that tell me the truth. It's the people that say to me, ah, you're not kind of doing C plus work right now, Molly. Thank you. Th help me get back on track. You're right. Or that, that keynote you just gave, that was not your best. And we need your best. Ah, thank you. Please help me get to that place. And I, I just so firmly believe the only path to transformation is, is on the other side of truth. We have to be better about that. So a couple of things popped in my head while you were telling that is one, where's the fun? Mm -hmm. Like people want culture all about fun and we're going to go play paintball. And we're going to go on a trip together. And then the other flip side is it's one to give it, but we also have to work. I'm assuming as well on receiving truth. Like I can't take it. Like you were talking about, I love the feedback. It wasn't good enough. You're right. I need to get better. Not everyone has that response. So we have to work on both ends. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, I just jotted down some notes there. Um, yeah. Oftentimes when we think of like team building and culture, you're right. It's like, let's go play laser tag. That'll be fun. Um, yeah. It's fun when you love your teammates. It's not so fun when you don't love your teammates. And so those fun activities, only the happiness is only there if the health is there like we talked about earlier. And so I've been a part of those teams where they've said, oh, we have to go do laser tag. I can't, I, if I have to spend five more minutes with this team, I'm just, I can't stand it. Um, and then I've been with teams that are like, we get to go do this tonight because we love each other and we just love being together. And so it doesn't matter. 
whether it's laser tag or volunteer work or bowling or pizza night, like we just love being together. And so it's not the activity that creates the fun. It's that we really enjoy each other that creates the fun. And so investing in all that skill building then sets us up to say, we can go do anything as a team and we're going to have a blast doing it because we really love each other. Um, in terms of like being able to receive the truth, again, that's a skill we, we have to build, right? But the way we get there is by being in relationship with each other. If I hate my head coach and I believe my head coach hates me and you tell me the truth, that is not going to go well. But if I respect my head coach and I believe my head coach respects me and we have done some life together and they have celebrated my successes and now they want to help me be better, all of a sudden that feels like a gift that someone that really cares about me was giving me. So again, if we are not in healthy relationships with each other, we can't, we can't tell the truth. We can't tell the truth. It all comes back to those relationships that we have. I am beyond excited for this to come out. Like I said, I've had an opportunity to listen to some videos. I've yeah. seen you, uh, you know, at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in January, and got to see some of the activities that you do, and loved it. When you look big picture and long term, like what are what are your hopes and expectations for Coach Ready? And you know, do you have plans for like maybe this is Coach Ready, and then there's maybe an extension? Like, what are some of the, the hopes and goals for this opportunity? for leadership building. Yeah. I, so my first hope is, can I connect with coaches who maybe couldn't otherwise afford to connect with me? They're, they're not a power five women's basketball team that can put me on a retainer. They, they don't have the budget to say, hop on a plane, come work with us. Let's hang out. We want to learn from you. Can I create a affordable option that most coaches could say, I can't put her on a plane, but I can watch these videos. That, that was priority number one. The second is, can I give them some frameworks and tools that they can put into practice right away? And, and I think I did that in the content of really giving some actionable steps, some things that you can say, okay, my next leadership meeting, we're going to talk about this framework. The next leadership meeting after that, we're going to talk about these four R's. The next meeting after that, we're going to talk about um, the behaviors that show up when we're leading change. I, I think... I'm giving coaches some really tangible things. I will say um, there are some uh, other things in the works. I already have a program called Team Ready, and that is for student athletes. It's a little bit more expensive, um, but if coaches say like, oh, we really liked this Coach Ready content, how do we pull our players into it? Team Ready is absolutely the way to go. And while it's not 100% certain yet, I would say Lead Ready is probably what we'll film next spring and doing a really deep dive on leadership development and creating a path and a program for coaches and their team leaders to go through together. Um, but yeah, my, my base goal for this was to connect with people who just budget-wise can't put me on an airplane. Okay, let me give you a, just a brain dump of every bit of wisdom. Um, I say in the promotional materials. This is the stuff that I share with my private clients. This is the stuff we're doing with those people who have me on a retainer and have those higher budgets. But just because your team doesn't have a high budget doesn't mean you don't need this stuff. And so could I package it in a way that's affordable and can really make a, a fast impact for coaches in terms of giving them frameworks and tools and processes? 
Molly, I really appreciate you taking the time to get on here with me and share this. Like, I'm so excited for coaches to have the opportunity to to kind of see the inner workings of all the little one-liners that you have. I love, um, you know, like friction uh, becomes traction and all those types of things are just little buzzwords that are great that people can start getting into their head um, and building. I cannot wait for this to come out and yeah. uh, the impact that it's going to make. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and shut this thing down. This is Karen Coach's Corner Chats with Molly Grisham talking Coach Ready, and I'm out. Peace. What an awesome chat with Molly Grisham. If you'd like to learn more or purchase the Coach Ready Leadership Course, please visit www.mollygrisham.com slash store. Let's go. Peace.